Thanks for tuning in, everybody. On this episode, Aaron and I are going to be talking with John Stallone from Howl for Wildlife. We're going to talk with John about what Howl for Wildlife is, what we can do as hunters to protect our right to hunt, as well as some current issues. If you're not familiar with Howl for Wildlife, you can check the description of this podcast and go over to their website. You could also go back to episode 191, where we had Charles from Howl on, and we talked a little bit more in depth about what the Howl organization does. Before we get started, I wanted to remind you guys that we have partnered with the social platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild is a free social community where your photos are not censored, they're encouraged, and you actually get points for sharing your trophies, doing gear reviews, and inviting your friends. So once you start earning points, you unlock awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. If you want to use those $10 on the Go Wild store, we can also help save you an additional 10% at checkout if you use our code THP. If you check that description of the podcast, there'll be a link down there to Go Wild as well. All right, guys, let's talk with John. So what's up today, man? What are you doing today? Um, well... First, let me ask you this: Am I allowed to curse or not? I, I am. <laughs> I, I, no rules here. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, yeah, uh, people hear me say this a lot, but I'm stuffing ten gallons of shit in a five-gallon hat is what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's no, your I'm average constant. day. That's your average day at Hal, huh, John? It's my average day period. So Hal, um for the life of me I, I mean i know why i did it i know why i got involved and i know why uh you know i'm i'm in it but i honestly my days are so filled between my normal day job uh hunting my wife and kids and everything else i'm involved i, I wear so many hats and i've been doing so many different things for so long um yeah so adding Howl was like a, like adding on another, I needed another person and and I can't <laughs> obviously do that. So, right. But, yeah. I mean, Charles was going on a hunt like a couple of weeks ago or something. Yeah. And I texted him. I heard about this, this deal that was happening in Texas that like this law that was getting passed down there. Yeah. Where they were, it got passed. They were gonna, yeah. It got passed where they removed that stream that public stream access i think is what it was i could yeah it's like in front of me i i didn't look into it a bunch because it was brought to us and i think somebody sent it to me like late in the game so part of the problem we have at alpha wildlife is not finding out about stuff too uh in time and it was like okay this is going to get passed i'm like well shit we can't really do anything about it because now it's the ship has sailed fast we have yeah Yeah. so from what i understand about that is it was um all the stream access all the public lands that are um associated with the waterways basically um have all they've basically removed all the rights to hunting on those and it's a really crappy deal because I, deal because texas doesn't have a lot of say, texas doesn't have anyway. nothing for public land yeah. yeah 
And when we found out about that, I, I texted Charles immediately and he's like, I'm on my way to a hunt. Um, yeah. but I'm going to call you in just a few minutes before I lose service and see if there's anything we could do. And we just kind of went back and forth for the next few hours. And mm -hmm. he was like, you're talking about juggling everything. And he was doing the exact same thing. <laughs> he was He's like, constantly, constantly trying to go on a hunt and do his thing. Uh, and then he was, but you could tell he, how passionate he was about it yeah. because it went, it, you know, it basically trumped all his other priorities for the next few hours. And he just was worried about that. And he was like, who'd you talk to? I need to get a hold of this guy, this guy, this guy. I know this guy down here. We're going to see where we're at with this and if there's anything we could do. And ultimately, that's what he told me. He got back to me and was like, dude, if we would have found ship, out a month ago yeah, the or ship two months sailed. ago. Yeah. It's like, yeah. dang it, man. It's, it's, and, and unfortunately, a lot of this stuff, like you sent me something earlier today. And I looked into it. Um, it's something we might still be able to get involved in. So that's great. But um, a lot of this stuff is, there's so many things going on. There's attacks on all these different levels and, and all these little policies that are getting snuck in underneath the radar. And you literally have to have a team of researchers. Oh, we got a couple of part-time guys helping us. Um, but they're not, it's not a full-time, you know, Hey, I need a full-time, uh, team to do that. And like, hell, that's part of the problem with policy in general, like this, uh, BSCA thing that's going on. And, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about that later on and I'll bring it up, but, uh, it's an 80 page, you know, piece of legislation. Our own legislators don't even read that 80, you know, and, and this is not, goes beyond uh, hunting policy. We're, we're talking about just politics in general. There's so many things and that's what they do. They hide all these little things in the wording and, you know, a, a senator or whatever picks up the piece of paper, reads the, you know, the, the top sheet or whatever, the, the bullet points. And he's like, oh, this looks great. I'm going to put my name on it. And, you know, he hands it off to some, you know, intern or whatever, and they're supposed to read it and hopefully report back to them with, you know, but it's always, you know, it's always up to interpretation. So if you're not like heavily invested and you really want to be, you know, precise about the decisions you make, which none of our politicians do, I don't think, <laughs> you know, and, 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 not at any fault, but the fact that there's so much out there and there, and, and it's done on purpose, you know, it's done on purpose to get stuff passed so that it flies underneath the radar. Mm. So, but not to mention the legal jargon in some of that stuff. Oh, yeah. It's just like, it's like yeah, I could for, read all of it and I don't understand what 50% of the words even mean in it. Like you need, a, exactly. you need an experienced lawyer to sit down with you and go through it page by page by page. Mm -hmm. And it's 100%. just, you know, it's, it's a daunting task. Yeah. But I, I, I know one thing well, it's like once people, once like regular guys like us find out about it, um, there's definitely a hunger and a, uh, and a desire to help. I mean, yes. I'm sure you guys have seen that with Hal. It's like anytime when you bring up an action item, I mean, 
I just shared something from BHA like five minutes before we started about this deal going on in Nevada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there is, and I, I'm the, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer guy. Um, and I wanted, I wanted to come into this at a different approach, but you opened the door. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to walk through it right now. So, When Charles and I first, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of preface this a little bit. When Charles and I first set down this road of Howl for Wildlife, yes, we identified uh, a need for direct advocacy. We we recognized the problems and came up with powerful solutions. But we also envisioned this like community where hunters helped hunters protect, enhance, and achieve. We enhance. We envisioned like. Um, a new level, a new level, a new kind of sportsman, um, one who got involved and not just in the matters of the, you know, that were close to them, not just the things that, that were important to them, but in all matters affecting hunting, you know, um, we, we've always been our worst, our own worst enemy. Like there's, there's a tremendous amount of, uh, animosity, there's distrust, utter dislike um, amongst hunters. And a lot of this has been brought about by the increasing level of competition, you know, for tags, for places to hunt. Um, but even in social media, the whole, you know, look at me, look how awesome I am. Um, and, you know, you see it all the time. The, the, the in-state guys complain about the out-of-state guys. The bow hunters complain about the rifle hunters. The, the elk hunters complain about the deer hunters. And it's this constant thing. So, like, um, and, and while we've been with all this infighting and we've been uh, occupied with all these things that are going on, the real enemy has been slipping in the back door and, and entrenching itself in stuff that that affects us for real none, none of this other bs that we waste a lot of time on the reason why i bring all that up to answer what you were to to go down the road where i was going to go is so Halfal wildlife has forty thousand members not members but users forty thousand users members i uh, i don't remember what the exact number is but forty thousand users but on any given um action that we put up we see about 10 percent engagement on that action so and i'm going to say probably don't quote me on the numbers but 60 to 70 percent of that of those action takers are the same people over and over and over again because those are the really engaged those are the people that that's the core unit right there now the rest, and every time we put up an action, we gain more users. And the reason why is because it's affecting somebody in their own backyard. Mm -hmm. And that's when hunters choose to raise their hand or to stand up because it's going to affect their lifestyle some way, same shape, or form. And again, long drug out, drug out explanation, but we're 16 million hunters, hunters in the United States alone. Could you imagine 
the impact we would have every time a bill came up, every time a rule change or thing in the commission would come up, that 16 million hunters would stand up and say, nope, we don't want that. We want this. We, we, or, or we support that. Like right now, that, uh, that bill you sent me over this morning, um, you know, that's a pro, pro honey thing. If you imagine 16 million people getting involved in that and sending, sending out a howl or, or just getting involved some way, shape or form, going to the commission meetings or community, community meetings or anything that is going to say, Hey, I'm a sportsman and I care about this. Um, if we would, we would never lose. We would never lose because look at the stuff that we've been able to accomplish with that 10% of 40. We're talking about a couple thousand people per issue getting involved. And we've been able to move the needle with that many people. So if you amplify that out, even if I had 10% of the 16 million, if I had 1.6 million people getting involved every single time something got put out there, we would never lose a single thing in hunting and we would be able to control the narrative of and I, I don't like to use the word narrative because it now that word has become dirty um we will be able to control the outcome of wildlife conservation and wildlife management and ultimately that's i mean we're the main stakeholders so we should have the biggest voice hopefully <laughs> i didn't go off too far but but that's kind of where you know uh, i i think it's you you mentioned that you know how how well we're doing and I, i'm impressed with what we what we've been able to do but at the same time i'm still saddened because there's so much we should be doing yeah i think it's interesting too because that's as you're talking about that i think of so many different examples in life that i've encountered where like when you're a part of a team, if not everybody's invested in that or they're just picking and choosing when they want to be invested, you're not going to be as strong as you possibly can. And it's kind of just a struggle in so many different ways. So, of course, it's a struggle in this, I guess, if that makes any sense. Like I think of just like playing sports and having the teammate that really is not in it for the right reasons or putting the right amount of effort into it. And it's the same thing with hunters and Hundred percent. When you say that about like, it doesn't really matter until it's you know in in your backyard or it matters to the thing that you want. Like, I think of the uproar that I've seen where I don't know, I, like Iowa is one where I have a lot of friends that live there, and there's a big uproar when something comes up that might change you know their situation. But then otherwise, it's like you know, yep. Like if it's in favor of rifle hunters and they're like, no, we're, we're bow hunters. And you know, that it just, it's crazy because it's not everybody being on the same team, even in those situations, it's, it's separating the team. And I think that's right. a big problem. And I don't really know a solution to that either. Like, do you have ideas or ways that you think, you know, we could, I guess, well, come together? Cause I feel like that's definitely a, a tricky question. <laughs> it is. So, I mean, one of the things that we've, a policy that we have adopted is we don't, if you noticed how Alpha Wildlife doesn't get involved in, um, okay, for instance, I'm going to give you a, a great example. Here in Arizona two years ago, 
they banned the use of trail cameras. Yes, there was anti-hunting people pushing that along a little bit, but it became mostly, and it was introduced by hunters. Mm -hmm. There was a large segment of the population of the hunting population of the hunting public just kidding. Uh, <laughs> there was a large percentage of the hunting population that were against trail cameras and the other half were for it. Now, those that were opposed to it were like, well, you know, it's, it's not fair. Um, you know, there's, there, there were so many things cited. Like, I don't even know, but the, my whole point is that we didn't get involved in something like that because it wanted it, it kind of goes a little bit away from our mission that we're trying to stay on it has to be uh, wildlife conservation or wildlife uh, management driven and it it didn't affect either of those I guess in the grand scheme of things um, you know, it might eliminate some hunter's ability because, you know, there's the guy that works, you know, 60 hours a week and he can't get out to scout or whatever. And that was his ability, you know, I, I was for, I was, I was not for tra banning trail cameras. Um, I'm an outfitter here in Arizona. Uh, I use trail cameras from time to time, not a tool that I, I utilize often, but I was not against it. But my whole point is we don't get involved in those things because there might be hunters on both sides of the fence. And it's hard to take a stand on those things. So what we do is we take stands on where science can back or uh, sound uh, management programs or practices make sense. So anything that's, you know, uh, that might limit tags, that might limit access, that might, like those are the things we get involved in um, because of that. It's, it's so hard to be, like, you don't want to be a referee in the middle of your own team. Like, you don't want to be the guy trying to, you know, um, to stop one side of your team fighting the other side of your team. We're trying to be to unite the team and to to get involved in the things that we can all agree on, mm -hmm. and the things that we should all be able to agree on is, you know, these items that we're talking about now that just we can't we we can't allow them to take away hunting. We can't allow them to take away our voice at the table. We can't allow them to affect policy um, that you know could ultimately affect the wildlife because in the end that's the other thing we're trying to do is we're trying to protect wildlife and hunt hunters have never even though we are and we have been if you look historically at it um and since the north american model of conservation has been implemented we have been the biggest champions of wildlife and you know that's we want to continue that we want to, and we want people to know that we are we're not just out there on the back of pickup trucks 
drinking beers and willy nilly shooting at shit. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Yeah, that's kind of the. I mean, we're in the same boat. That's what we believe in. I mean, that's why we're called. That's why we came up with the name, the hunting public, was just the general public that hunts. It's like, well, maybe that's one thing all of us can kind of get behind. So there's not all this infighting, and we still see a good bit of it. Um, you know, especially on social media, like you alluded to, but, Mm -hmm. you know, Charles had that post not that long ago about trying to get sort of the bigger voices in hunting to get more involved in this type of stuff. And I couldn't agree more with what he was saying. Um, and like we, we have discussions about it all the time in our own private meetings, you Mm -hmm. know, between us here and our employees, like what can we do? to affect, to move this in a positive direction. And we're pretty young. I mean, I'll just be honest. I'm, I'm just in the last couple of years, I'm learning how these different commissions work in, in every state. It's a little bit different. And I've, I've spent hours and hours on the phone, just talking to, you know, past commissioners from different states and about the issues that they have in all those places. And, um, I definitely want to, I, I would love to, to amplify that voice with our audience, you know, but I guess I'm just asking what kind of advice would you have for young guys like us that are, I mean, we're trying to put the word out there. We, we are all about what you all do um, Mm -hmm. and try to share your stuff and talk about you guys as much as we can. But I'm also in the background trying to figure out how we can get, you know, tangibly involved other than just donating money for things. And that's what we've done in the past. We've donated Turkey research. We're donating to habitat and stuff like that, but I'm looking at other ways to do that also like through the advocacy route. Right. And you know, the donating, all that stuff's important. Um, but that's kind of like the old model of what all the, um, what all the other orgs are doing. Um, and again, like I said, not to, to check from anything that they're doing um they we need uh those legacy orgs to keep on doing what they're doing but we also need people to be involved and we've made it so that money is not the obstacle like that's why we have a free membership too you know, we have paid memberships sure. and we have free membership. We want we want those people. I don't want to say to somebody, "Hey, you cannot get involved because you don't want to give me thirty dollars a year." That's BS. I want you to get involved. If you can't afford the thirty dollars, I want you to get involved. Um, but to go to your question, what can guys like you do? You know, um, I've been racking my brain about this, as you know, because you guys were invited. We're going to have a symposium of some sort um, on uh, October 2nd. Talk to um, a lot of guys like yourselves. Um, uh, and uh, this is a, it sounds like a dirty word, but I'm going to say it. Influencers, uh, people who have the, the eyes and ears of other hunters in the industry. Um, and, we're going to get everybody together and we're going to kind of talk this out and try to figure out. Cause I, I don't think Charles or I want to be, yes, we want to provide the Avenue. We want to, we want to give the tools to the people, but 
I don't want to say, hey, I need you guys to do this, and I need you guys to do this, and I need you guys to do this, because you guys are all built brands. You guys have all built uh, this this awesome following because you're creative and you're cool and you do things that are that people want to know about. They want to follow you. They want to watch you. You guys are already doing all the right things. So we want to hear from you what you think you guys can do. So I don't want to like, I have ideas, obviously. Um, I'm a much older version of what you guys, <laughs> what you guys are doing. You know, I've been in the, I've been in the industry for a very long time where a number of different hats, writer, TV show host, been podcasting since 2004 before it was the cool thing to do, you know, all these things. Um, so I have ideas. I have plenty of ideas of how to get it out there, but I feel like not to throw it back on you, but I feel like I want to hear from the cool kids. I want the cool kids to be like, Hey, I think this is the things that we need to do to get this out there. And, and what Charles was saying in that post was, yes, it's great to share our stuff. It's great to, but it, again, you're, you're, you're dealing with this like water down or trickle down, um, version of engagement. But then you look at stuff like, uh, man, I, I can't think of one right now, but like uh, these challenges that go around, you know, and one that sticks out, it's old now, but it was the you know, Lou Garrett's disease to the ALS challenge, you know, dumping a water bucket on your head or whatever. That was like 10 years ago. Yeah. But, you know, these kind of things where you make it like cool to do something, to take an action. And eventually... The hope is that once people start taking action and getting involved, it becomes part of their daily ritual or not necessarily daily, daily ritual, but you know, it's a periodic thing. I'm like, Hey, I'm, this came across and Hal's doing a very good job about trying to put the information out there and trying to inform, um, the people who are using the tools that we provide, uh, when something comes up, but if people were to get involved, I go, I go back to that 16 million, you know, it's, it's on us. It's on us people that have the ear of people of other hunters out there where we can empower them. We could say, Hey, I know you're the, you know, Joe Hunter or whatever. And you feel like you don't have the power to move the needle, but your voice is important. And if you can do these things with us, um, you know, we can, we can move the needle. We can, we can do things that are big, much bigger than you or I. And I, you know, um, going back to the whole influencer and, and, uh, industry figure thing, it's like, you know, the whole idea of, um, endorsement or, uh, I used this example the other day, you know, I want to be like Mike. Okay. That was like a big thing for everybody and still is really honestly easy. You know, you know, as a basketball icon, Michael Jordan, right? I want to be like Mike. So what did, what did people do? They went and bought it, the sneakers cause they wanted, you know, they wanted the edge or they wanted to jump higher. They, you know, so the idea of, of, uh, wanting to be like the best of the best has always been out there. And if 
the people in the industry portray that part of being me, part of being the best of the best is I do this, then other people are going to want to naturally follow. Hopefully I put that in the right, you know, way that people understand what the heck I'm saying. Mm -hmm. But no, I think that makes total sense. So, yeah. Yeah. And we're always, we're trying to think about how we can, we can do that. The, the biggest gap for us is that we're, uh, and, and, and it's the same one that you guys have to a degree, but whenever we speak to people, we mm-hmm. speak to them nationally through, you know, social media or YouTube or whatever it is. Like we have, right. We have a lot of people watching, um, that make up a, a pretty large bucket, but it's relatively small buckets in all these individual States. So if we create a video, just about one state and one action item in that one state, you know, it's going to get watched by a lot of people, but is it going to get watched by the people that really need to see it? So like if there's a really major issue affecting, you know, Alabama residents, for example, Mm -hmm. uh, we always are trying to look at ways that we can, we can talk about that stuff, but we can also weave it into something else that's interesting that will catch eyeballs. Because what we've right. noticed is anytime we post advocacy stuff or we post habitat stuff, it just people they're just doesn't not have the same engagement. In it. I, I yeah, see it. it I see it all the time. So I'm always trying to think of like how do you weave that in to mm-hmm. something that will get eyeballs on it? Because if you just go one way, then you're not gonna reach the people. And if you just go the complete other way, then you're gonna get all the eyeballs, but you're never gonna you're never gonna show them anything other than just strictly right. entertainment you know exactly. so we we're always trying to balance that that's definitely been one of the things we've seen with habitats like zinger anytime we post a habitat video or a habitat podcast or something it's like we'll get some diehards out there that really like it but overall it's not as popular as no building an arrow setup right yeah no, of course 100 percent. it's like kind of I've, I've seen it but... i've seen it in my own stuff as well like i i, I if i put out a podcast that is conservation oriented or politically oriented in some way shape or form um it literally gets 35 40 percent of the normal engagement that my other episodes would get you know if i'm talking about elk hunting or i'm talking about and as such when i when i've been invited on other people's podcasts to talk about how for wildlife i've told them i said listen Let's do this podcast. Let's sell it as me coming on to talk to you about elk calling. And then we'll talk about this also. <laughs> and right? we'll talk about this. <laughs> and I will go, you know, it's not to pull the, the wool over people's eyes, but it's, it, you're getting people that come on there to listen to me talking about calling elk. And I'm giving them that. But I'm also giving them 10, 15 minutes of the message of how for wildlife. And it's kind of, and what I've noticed that it's not any one thing. Like you were saying, you know, you were doing a little video for this or doing that, whatever, and you, you just don't see the engagement. And then ultimately, I know as a content creator, that's frustrating for you. You're like, well, crap, this doesn't help me. I'm, I'm trying, it doesn't help me in any way, right? I don't, I'm not 
getting more engagement. It's not helping my brand in any way. But at the same time, I don't feel like I'm helping the cause that much because I'm not getting this engagement. That's um, the part that, that I struggle with is like, I don't, at this point, we don't really care if a post gets 500 likes or 50,000, but right. Like I want to put out stuff that's valuable to people that right. they're, you know, they're, that they're getting value out of. Sure. And I mean, it has worked though on a few things and it sure seems like the national stuff or the really big stuff that goes, um, right. like, cause you have uh, enough of we, each little, each portion of each state that's following you that gets involved. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I did some little Instagram video on the page not that long ago about that, about the Department of Education thing that you brought up earlier. Oh, yes. Um, okay. With them, you know, restricting funds for archery in schools and hunter ed and stuff. I did like a yeah. quick minute, minute long video and then, you know, linked to an action page where people could go and support it. Nice. And that thing got a lot of engagement. Um, you know, whenever, but that's you're national, with kids. <laughs> yeah you're messing with kids you're taking you're taking archery in schools out like it's yeah. it's like a lot of a lot of outdoor parents that have got their kids hunting and fishing see that and they that invokes an emotional response in them Absolutely. and they're like no that you know they got busy lives but they're like nope the the buck stops here we're not gonna we're gonna sound off on this one right and that one that one really went but then, like a, like we were talking about, we've done some habitat stuff that was really good information. It's like really important information about, mm-hmm. you know, better habitat for wild turkeys and quail and deer and stuff. And they don't listen to it as much. Yeah. But uh, it may not affect them. You know, we have a lot of people that just hunt public land or that just go on, you know, out-of-state western trips every year, whatever. And they're like, oh, I don't own any, own any land and I can't control the habitat on it. So I don't need to be engaged when reality right. is you need to care about habitat, no matter what kind of hunter that you are. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, if you care about wildlife and conservation, you need to care about habitat period. But it's, it's to that, it's to your point earlier that you made. It's like, if people don't, if it's not in their backyard, if it's not directly affecting their lives, they put it on the back burner. And I'm not necessarily blaming them for doing that because everybody's really busy Everybody's mm-hmm. got a lot of stuff that's going on, but that's why I like your yeah. all's model is because you've, you've managed to make, make all of this stuff. Yeah. Simplify it. That's right. Yeah. We, we, we've used this analogy many times. We've created the easy button for people. Yeah. And, you know, we, when we went down this road, we kind of looked at that and we're like, well, you know, people don't, if they got to jump through a couple of hoops, they're not going to do anything. You know, most every, every hoop you have adds one one more level of people that you're losing. They're going to get involved. So, yes, you have to make it as simple and easy as possible um, to get involved. Uh, but, you know, you, you said something earlier that kind of hit, you know, hit a chord with me. We started off this podcast. And you were asking me, you know, uh, what what my day looked like. Right. And. I don't buy into the I'm too busy <laughs> bullshit. Excuse my French. Okay. I don't know anybody who's more busy than, than me. And the people that I do know that are more busy than me don't have a problem getting involved in stuff. You know, um, 
you know, I, I've run my whole life, maybe to my detriment, but I've run my whole life with the, with the idea, um, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know, I, I will fit whatever I got to fit in and get done whatever I got to get done if I'm passionate about it. So if you're passionate about hunting, you can find 30 seconds because really that's all it takes. I mean, at least with on our platform, there's other, there's other things like, um, this is also something you brought up and I was going to say, but I didn't want to cut you off before when you're asking about what can guys like you do, you know, um, putting up posts, doing the videos, all that stuff's great. It's excellent. It helps spread the word. It helps, um, you know, bring the message to, to the people who need to hear it, but also leading, if you've heard that, you know, that expression lead from the front is, is like going to a commission meeting, um, going to a committee meeting, showing up physically and saying, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm Zach, I'm Aaron. I'm, I'm, I have, I'm making, I, I run this business, the hunting public. I do all this stuff and I'm making time, physical, real time to go here and do this because I care about it. And then people look at me like, Oh shit. Well, frick, if those guys can do it, then so can I, you know? And I, I'm not, I want to like pick on like Cam Haynes or anything like that. But like if Cam Haynes went to, um, you know, a watch Washington commission meeting and, and he's been on TV and spoken um, again, not, this is not a crap on Cam Cam Haynes, uh, um, session here, but, I'm just using him as an example because he's very well known. If he was to show up and do those things, you know, people will be like, oh, shit, fuck, man. If, excuse my French again. If Joe Rogan or something like that showed up to a meeting and said, hey, I'm, you know, could you imagine how many people? I mean, do, do you know how many like people bought, uh, you know, ice baths because of Joe Rogan? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, right. That, that's what I'm trying to get out here. Like, Yes, you guys, you guys are not Joe Rogan, but you know, you might as well be—I I don't know—a Brian Callen in 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 the hunting world. You know, you guys are up there. You guys have people following you and looking to see what you're doing. So, you know, it's leading from the front is a is a very uh, powerful thing when when the people that are following you. Um. It's like that do as I uh, do and do as I say, <laughs> you know, if you're doing both and not just do as I say and not as I do, <laughs> then, you know, if you're, cause if you're, if you're telling people to do something and then you're not doing it, it, it doesn't hold as much water, you know, it doesn't hold as much weight. And, um, I've struggled with that myself. Like I'm, Vice president of health for wildlife. I'm constantly preaching to the, you know, to the choir. I'm constantly telling people how and what to do. And yet I find, find it hard to be involved in, you know, Charles, God bless him. I don't know how he's, he's doing it, but he's makes it a point to somehow be involved in every like video, uh, conference, um, what do you call it? Uh, game commission meetings and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And he's been on top of that stuff. 
I haven't been able to make. I I've definitely gone. I've gone to anything that's been here in Arizona. I've gone on some of the you know California and and uh, Washington Zoom meetings. I've carved out time for that, but not as much as I would love to. So I I'm I know just what I'm getting as I know the struggles that you have because it's you know crap man it's I gotta manage my time what what can I do but it's great if you can get involved physically in stuff and people see you physically getting involved in that and that will sway minds it will get people to start adapting that like you know I'm gonna dump a bucket of ice water on my head because that's what it takes to be cool yeah. you know i mean would you say the same thing goes for just like my buddies that don't have you know a youtube channel like i guess i think when i think of it too i'm thinking of everybody as well not just aaron and i for example would be like what about you know my friend brad that i went to high school with you know what it what is 100%. It, you know, it's, I, I, I guess answering it for you it it is the same it's like if if he's doing it then you know, makes me more likely to do it and vice versa. Right. right and I think exactly. that, that that's kind of the, the point is it's not, it's not necessarily social contagion. Yeah. Like everybody could bring a little, hold each other a little bit more accountable in those ways. Obviously it is important for, for something like the hunting public to promote mm-hmm. that as well. But just in general, I think everybody mm-hmm. trying to make a point of it and being as, um, yeah, just present as possible at the things that, and, and then it is a spiral. Like everybody, it's a domino, I suppose. Then one person does it and then the next person's like, oh yeah, that's cool. I should go do that. And I think it's, you know, just getting that ball, ball rolling, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We've started to roll that ball a little bit, but we're still in the education phase of it. Um, it's like, if you if we turn we have this fire hose right and when, mm-hmm. if we turn it on and we hit people before they're educated about what's going on then we could have negative effects like young folks that are going to these meetings that don't understand how to speak respectfully to a commission or don't necessarily understand how exactly the process works and they're just going there with pitchforks because they're fired up like mm-hmm. i want to make sure that I want to make sure that people, and that's like I told you before, that's kind of the boat I'm in right now is I'm just trying to understand better how these different states operate and how their commissions operate Mm -hmm. so that I can physically go to them and present a strong united front for people to watch and set that example that you're talking about. But I don't feel comfortable setting that example until i know what the heck i'm doing yeah you guys are are experts in this um that go to them you know an event and i've i've been engaged with it like i said and whenever there's a singular issue that pops up i feel like i can speak intelligently on some of those things um but yeah yeah, i mean i i don't i just want to make sure that i'm competent you know before we before we go down that road yeah in the they're the virtual meetings now are are handy for folks i mean there's no excuse anymore for you not to see what's going on beforehand you had to i mean some people would have had to drove hours and spent you know an entire day but now 
the meeting is recorded and you can see, you can get access to it. Right. I mean, not very many people will watch them, unfortunately. It's but... one of the greatest things that happened in the pandemic era is the fact that there's virtual meetings now. Yeah. It's so like the one good thing for hunting that's come out. Everything else has been pretty, pretty negative. <laughs> so, sure. Yeah. Um, the, so. the other part of that, when I was talking to one of the, one of the older commissioners, he's not a commissioner anymore, but he used to be in Kentucky. He started a podcast just for uh, folks in Kentucky for the most part. And what they do is they take that seven hour meeting and they reduce it down to about an hour's worth of content. And they just mm -hmm. hit on the main bullet points um, for hunters. And right. they try to pick and choose, you know, I mean, as you know, when in those, in those commission meetings, there may be, 70 80 percent of stuff that's that's basic basic housekeeping items but then 20 percent of it is really big issue big deal stuff mm -hmm. and that's what they're that's what they're trying to do with that podcast in kentucky is they're just trying to condense that stuff down and make it more palatable for people and there you know their commission operates with uh discussion items and action items i believe is what it's called so items get brought to the commission in as discussion items they get discussed first and then if they make it through that then they become action items and that's when decisions get made on those things mm -hmm. and it's like man if you could if you could really hit those things right as they become discussion items and get people involved at that point then we can start going on offense a little bit and we're not playing defense like what we talked about with the Texas example where right. it's like we were too late or we're right up against it right here. Mm -hmm. Like they've already made it through the process this far and we're just now finding out about it. It's like if we could if we could find a way to hit on those bullet point discussion items at a broad scale to where people are informed before the trigger's pulled, um, that would be awesome. And that's what my brain has been I've been racking this around for months now, trying to figure out how we do that. Yeah. And ideally, it would be, you know, having four or five really dedicated people in every state that could keep you updated all the time. So we've been trying to, and originally when we, we started out, we envisioned Howell as to operate kind of like JSOC operates, oversees all the entities or helps guide all the entities below it and so we you know we put out a thing hey we're looking for two representatives in each state um to just do that exactly keep your finger on the pulse and keep us apprised of what's going on that way we can be more responsive um we're still developing those relationships but it kind of fell to the back to the back burner because one we weren't getting a whole lot of outreach for people wanting because a lot of work, um, and even 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 let's say that's not a lot of work. There's <sighs> human nature. If there's not a reward in it, in some way, shape, or form, um, people are less likely to do it. And yep. that's been a big struggle is to get people to understand. And that stuff goes back to the whole thing we were talking about before. People don't get involved it's in their own backyard because they don't see the big picture. They don't see that, yes, if a guy in Alabama 
gets involved in an issue in Arizona, it's still affecting him. He thinks, oh, I'm just doing this out of the goodness of my heart to help out my fellow hunter. But no, the fact of the matter is the way our system works is that we're all paying into the same kitty. We're all interconnected with the same stuff. And when things go wrong in one state, it's much easier for them to keep carrying over to the other states. So you think you're helping the guy in Arizona, but in fact, you're still helping yourself, you know, and that's been the hardest thing to get people to understand is that, you know, we're not just brothers in arms because we like the same things. We're brothers in arms because we're all fighting for the same thing. Like this is, we're all interconnected in some way, shape or form. And, you know, especially since the pandemic or there's been this like movement, you know, to the, the other side is taking advantage of the political climate and they're infiltrating all these things like commissioners, uh, commissions, uh, different government positions that, um, you know, directly or indirectly affect hunting and all this stuff is just like that, you know, when we were talking about the BSCA, that that was not meant to, well, they say it wasn't meant to affect hunting, but as soon as it came out, it got um, translated, you know, the verbiage in there got translated and it uh, directly affected hunting, you know. By so all these things are happening, and so it, it well, this is a federal thing that we're talking about. But let, let's say that it was a state thing. Like you, you're like, okay, that's not my state, but it carries over. My whole point is that we're we're all one and the same, and we need to we need to look at it that way. We need, we need when it comes to when it comes to standing up and having your voice heard on policy that is affecting wildlife management and hunting and fishing, we're all on the same team. You might be a whitetail hunter from Nebraska. He might be a bear hunter from Washington. She might be a marlin fisher and fisherman in, in Florida, but they're all doing the same thing. They're all, we're all fighting for the same thing. And like, if you look at the other side, which we do often, Charles and I look at the other side often, and it's actually helped us grow how to what it is. They have no problems, you know, standing in lockstep or, or, or locking arms together. You know, the, the save the whales people have no problem, uh, you know, helping out to save the, the Western snipe people because ultimately their goals align and they see that you don't see those two fighting each other, but you but will you do see with hunting. <laughs> exactly. Oh, you'll see man. it in hunting, you know, and you'll even, even at the, at the org level, there is a level of competition there 
that you know this critter org is competing with this critter org for your money because they think that your money is better suited for this habitat and not better listen there is some cooperation and there is some uh you know rising tides uh, raises all ships type situations going on but there but there's also competition there too you know i want to get you as my member giving me 30,000 you know 30 dollars a year because um my cause and is going to do this and then no i want your 30 dollars because i want my cause to do that and unfortunately that sucks and they know that they know that they they take advantage of that division they take advantage of that infighting as we mentioned earlier um you know uh, because they go to these, they go to these things united. I can well, definitely see where that's a that's a huge hurdle for us. It, if you've ever been on any of these commission meetings or any of these, um, like, if it's like a committee meeting, you'll see the same players show up all the time. Houston will be there. Project Project Coyote, you know, this club, that club, that you know, they'll all be there, and their message is always very similar they're all saying the same thing it's like and i don't know this to be true because i it's not like i've infiltrated any of their uh organizations but it's almost like they're reading from the same playbook like that there's one master plan one master puppeteer like telling them hey do this do that do this and they're all doing the same thing and i'm not saying that you know we need to be a the puppeteer or we need to be a master but i feel like again this was uh the vision for how for wildlife is we wanted to be that center hub we wanted to be able to help rocky mountain elk foundation help um you know wild sheep society or whatever and all these hunters to come here get the information be the one place that you the one megaphone that you everybody shouts through the how that's what you know part of how that became um i, I don't i mean i'm not saying that it's unachievable because that's still the goal i would love like i said earlier i would love the 16 million people to all be part of how and you know what and we want every single thing. Charles said this years ago when we were kind of thinking about it. He's like, I, my goal is to put myself out of business. And, you know, we're so good at everything that we basically knock all the, you know, all the anti-hunting groups out of the water and, once that happens, there's no more need for, for Hal, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, they're lofty goals. Are they achievable? I, I'd like to think so. Otherwise, what the hell am I doing this for? Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tough road and Zach, you were hitting on it earlier about, you know, your, your buddy that you went to high school with or whatever. It's, it's not just on the big name guys. It's not, it's on everybody. We all need to be 
And we all need to lead from, from example. We all need to lead from the front and, and get involved. But I, I, I think it's on the influencers and the industry leader guys to be, uh, to make it that it's cool. Like Charles was saying Mm -hmm. in that post, you know, because once the Joe Hunter sees that it's cool, it becomes easier for them. And then they start trying to be cool for their inner circle. Not, not, I'm not, sure. you're not doing it just to be cool, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I'm, I, you're trying to I be a leader be, in your circle. Yeah. I could be, you could be a leader in your circle, right? There's, there's always one guy that is, you know, he's the guy that kills the 10 point buck every year. He's the, you know, and his 10 guy friends or girlfriends that follow him, uh, you know, or talk to him about hunting. They're, they're going to do what you do because they, those are the people that look up to you. And it's, you know, you don't need to have, you know, a hundred thousand followers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so. Why not, um, why don't we switch gears a little bit and talk about the BSCA? Because some people may not be familiar with that and what's going on. Some may already. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Basically, it was a bill or an act um, that passed in 2022 that was meant to, it was like politicians got involved in it because there was uh, some murders in, a mass murder that happened in Buffalo and in Texas, um, and it was like a response to that. You know, we need to look good. Let's do something. Let's take action. Hoorah. And they rolled out this bipartisan. Uh, so BSCA stands for Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. And it was meant to prevent murders like this mass shooting in Buffalo or Uvalde, uh, Texas, um, from taking place in the future. So it there's a bunch of language in there that kind of makes it harder to get firearms and a little bit deeper background checks and stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff in there that people were like, okay, yeah, I don't, I don't see a problem with this. This is fine. But there's some, uh, language in there that, uh, and I think I wrote it down here. Let's see if I can find exactly what it says. Uh, I'm just going to have to give it to you anecdotally. I don't have the exact verbiage verbiage there, but basically there's language in there that it it can be interpreted that no, um, no schools can allocate um, the um, ESEA funds towards uh, any type of education that involves a deadly weapon. Um, so that includes archery in schools, um, you know, wilderness survival stuff, which we don't have a whole lot of states that have that, but Alaska is affected by that. Um, and the hunter's ed programs and so on and so forth. So this ESCA 
distributes about 17 actually i think it's estimated 18 bill 18.3 billion dollars this year uh it distributes this money out to schools for these um extra curricular so esea stands for um what is it it's uh elementary secondary school um Oh my God! Why can't I think of the word? Is it? See, this is why it's so hard I, I, oh, okay. for people to it's understand. It's Elementary Secondary Education <laughs> Act. Yeah, that's what it is. So basically, what it is is like it, it, it's a fund that funds like this secondary, you know, educational programs, things that are not uh, in the normal curriculum. Uh, some of it like goes to PE stuff, and you know, like after-school programs, and so on and so forth, but. Um, it's uniquely designed to do these things like Hunter Ed and archery school program, all that stuff. So it, it's funny because the, the language was put in there, which I still don't understand, was to defund programs that armed uh, SROs. And SROs are uh, school resources officers, like an um, armed cop at your school, an armed police officer at your school. So it defunded programs for those. So you're trying to make things safer for your kids going to school. You don't want these big mass school shootings, um, but you're going to fund the person that's there to protect them. I, I, I never understood that, but that language is in there to stop that. Mind-boggling. I don't understand why. So if you interpret that language, which... Somebody on the anti-hunting public read it and was like, okay, boom, here we go, buddy. Let's go to our uh, our buddy in the uh, education department who, who heads up the whole thing and let's tell him that, hey, this is in there. You can't fund these things or let's squeeze his arm, whatever. Or let's promise him votes for his next election. I don't know what. But, you know, something nefarious like that went on. And now all these schools started getting these letters that were saying, hey, uh, you can no longer use any of your um, ESEA uh, funding for these programs. Okay, so the biggest biggest funder for you could still have these programs in your school, but they just can't be funded by from federal funding. So if you look at it from a school standpoint, it's like, hey, well, I, half these schools don't have money to freaking educate the kids to begin with, like where am I going to get money to keep this program that is low hanging fruit to me as a school, you know? Um, so a lot of that basically is going to eliminate Hunter's Ed and, and archery in schools. Now I did hear something that came up two days ago um, that the um, NAS program, the, uh, the archery in schools program that, uh, the um, National Archery in Schools Education Act, um, or excuse me, education program, um, has uh, basically reached out and put out a statement that 70 of the uh, sponsoring senators have all said, um, you know, this wasn't put in here for this. And there's some talk about uh along with 
stuff that we've done along the stuff that the Archery Trade Association done and some other people have got involved in. Um, now there's some talk about them actually revising that language so that it, That's good. it, it carves out specifically Hunter's Ed and, and, and NASP. So um, hopefully uh, if we keep the pressure on them and, you know, we get out there and get people involved and get, you know, bend the ear of the people who need to hear it. Um, I think we'll, we'll see some changes on that. I'm, I, I feel like this is one we can reverse. This one, this one's not lost. So, cause it, there's, yeah, it doesn't make people, any sense. people jumped on that one right yeah. out of the gate. It seemed like, yeah. Um, again, you know, again, I don't want to be the, I, I'm, I'm going to click on my, uh, the action center here on how for wildlife. I was expecting to see a lot more engagement in this and we have, I don't know. I think we had like 1400 people, which is not a whole lot in my opinion, but not even 1,278 people, 1,278 people got involved. I could post a picture of me with a dead animal on Instagram and right, get more than go people. I remember that post we made about it had like 12,000 likes and reached over 100,000 accounts in the right. first 48 hours. And I think ATA was the, at the time, they were the one with the action yep. that we referenced. So I'd be curious so how hopefully, many people they got on that. Hopefully, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, know. I'd like to know what the conversion is, though, because. Yeah, that's the thing is like there's the first step, like you said, if it's if it's a quick hitter and it's something they can learn in a minute or 30 seconds, that's one that's one hoop per hurdle. But then the right. next hurdle is clicking the link and then going there, actually yep. typing out your name. That's the biggest thing with what you guys do, though, is like the whole <laughs> the whole action items already typed out for you. Like you, yep. you literally don't have to type hardly anything but your name and your email. You just have to click it. When you see one of Hal's posts pop up, all you have to do is click it and go there. And they give you a very distinct, like, I'm an idiot and I can figure out how to do this really quickly. <laughs> yeah, so you make guys it, make it your homepage right. on your browser, even. Like, it could pop up right. there yeah. every day. You pull up the internet and boom. Next thing you know, you just make a couple clicks and you're done. And you've yeah. covered all of them. I mean, that's a pretty simple solution, really. Yeah, that's huge. That's a smart idea. That's a really smart idea. <laughs> See? Yeah, everybody just make it their make it their homepage on your browser. Maybe yeah. It's not it's things. not hard. Yeah. It's really not hard, you know, going back to what I said earlier. I don't know a lot of people more busy than I am and, you know, it it doesn't take much. And really if you haven't noticed from my my lack of ability to uh dive in the weeds specifically about uh, actions. I, when it comes to actual policy, like I'm a user, just like everybody else. Like I, I go to my own site to get educated from the guys who looked into it. Now there's, yeah, there's times that I'll, I'll dive into stuff myself, but that's, that's not the hat that I wear in the, in, in Howlful Wildlife. Um, and I, so it's not that it's not that hard for somebody to just kind of take 
whatever 30 seconds or a minute out of, out of your life to do it. And, you know, but. Yeah. I mean, it's making, it's, it's moving the needle in a positive direction, but like you said, there's, there's lots of work to be done. I see that as an opportunity though. Yeah. Um, that's an opportunity that we have. And, you know, we've talked about, obviously there's a lot of hurdles, but through the pandemic and now the, how much more efficient these meetings are being cast out to the public. And there's even some people in some parts of the world that are trying to, you know, neck that process down even more, make it even more efficient. Mm -hmm. But man, I just think no wonder, you know, if you're getting 12, 1300 people say, say we have 12,000 likes on a post, it reaches a hundred thousand accounts. Then you're getting 1200, 1300 people to actually click it and to actually post their email and send an action mm -hmm. item. And then you're probably getting, you know, if this was at a state commission based deal, then you're probably getting less than 10 people to actually go and physically show up to the commission meeting. It's like, that's, that's your fourth hurdle or whatever yep. in place there. Yep. And if you just tripled that number, you know, if you just got two dozen people to show up for something, it would raise the eyebrows of every commissioner up there, yep. you know, because they're not used to seeing that. No, not at all. So the, the, the ongoing thing that we keep hearing since our, at the inception of Half wildlife is we never heard from the hunters. We, we hear that from commissioners. We hear that from from committee we've never seen every time there's something like this that comes up it's always you know 30 40 people from the anti-hunters and one or two hunters yeah, now they started good. seeing the opposite they started seeing you know 100 hunters show up and you know and it's like it's crazy we never saw this engagement before that's been the honestly is for Charles and I have been the biggest thing that has made us uh, continue down this road, like, and just feeling like we're, we're, we're doing something, you know, is is hearing that. And I, th I think there's nothing more powerful than, than that. Because if you really pick about, if you pick apart what, you know, what drives politics, it's, People, uh, I don't want to throw all politicians under the bus, but politicians are going to do what makes them look the best. And they're going to do what they think their constituents want so that they can continue being whatever position they are in. Yeah. And if 50 people are standing up and saying, we want you to get rid of this, and a thousand people are standing up to say, no, we don't want you to get rid of that. The politician, regardless of how they feel, you know, themselves, more than likely, because they love being whatever they are, and want to continue getting paid to be whatever they are, are going to side with the, the majority group. Mm -hmm. So it's on us to be the majority all the time. Mm -hmm. So... What states, uh, what, what states are you guys, um, 
I guess, or maybe, maybe there's not a difference, but are there some states that are getting hammered by this stuff more than others? Are there, are there some states that are doing things better than others with the hunters involved in those states? Like it sure seems like I see a lot of action items coming out of California and Washington, especially maybe that's just recently, but the, the last few years, Washington and Oregon and a little bit of California, not as much have been the two biggest hot spots. And there has been, and I don't remember exactly what it's called. It's IP 13, I think, or something along that, but don't, Definitely don't quote me on that. Um, in Oregon, where it is probably the most egregious anti-hunting bill there's ever been. Um, it even gets into the part to the point where like um, they don't want you to cut your dog's toenails because that's, you know, animal abuse. Uh, where ranchers can't uh, artificially inseminate and stuff like that. So it's like, man, if if that stuff's out there, if you look at the world the way it is, people are taking the football and they're chucking it as far as they can chuck it and seeing where it lands, you know. And it's like, it's not that far of a stretch or that that uh, far of a cry to think that it's going to eventually one of these footballs is going to hit its mark. And, and uh, then it's in your backyard. Yeah, it's exactly. I mean, come on. Look, look, I, again, I don't want to get into a political thing here and I'm point fingers and whatever. But look, look at what's going on in the world today with transgender and this and that and like i mean these things can happen you think they can't but they can there's people out there that would love to see no hunting at all 100 percent no hunting at all they would love to see and we hear it all the time well nature should just be left to be you know uh, unmanaged by any way by humans at all we should just put the predators back out there and let it do its thing and yada 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 just leave it all in closed canopy forests yep exactly <laughs> exactly and the reality of it is if if they were to succeed with their mission they would probably destroy wildlife altogether or you would have these vicious cycles of high prey, low predator, high predator, low prey, and just plummet ups and downs all the time. There wouldn't be this nice steady uh, thing that we enjoy here in the United States. And not to mention habitat and all this stuff. And, and But people don't understand about that whole philosophy. And I've, I've, spoken about this many a time um i i went to school uh i got my my um master's degree in rangeland management and ecology and so when i look at things i always look at things like holistically i kind of look at it from that manager 
standpoint and I kind of look at things like what if you come into a system this way, how does it affect the other end? You know, and one of the things that people fail to understand in general is that humans are part of the natural world. Yes, we live in this unnatural world. We live in the cities. We live in the houses and roads and cars and all this stuff. But we're part of the natural world because everything we do has impact on the natural world. We build a road. We walk into the woods. We consume like no other being in the planet does. Like, I mean... Every other year we buy a cell phone. I mean, like, come on. It's like we consume and all these things that we do have a negative effect on wildlife. So we have to manage what we have in a certain way to keep it the way we have it. So like the whole idea of preservation and, oh, let's just leave it be, mm -mm, doesn't yeah. work. It doesn't work at all. No. No, so. I, I couldn't agree more. I feel that that's something that as I've learned more and more about habitat, that that idea, which is a very common idea, especially of generations before me, of, well, we just never touched the forest, and that's, and that's helping things. And I think that I can kind of see a little bit as to why that was ever, I, I guess that thought process was ever, Mm -hmm. uh, well, you know, you think back to when all the trees got cut down. Well, yeah, you don't right. want that either. So, the, no. so then generations, a couple generations before me, the thought was, well, to combat cutting all the trees, then we never cut anything. And then it's like, no, there's there's a balance in all of that. And I, I mean, right. that's that's something that I continue to learn more and more about through a lot of different friends. And it's really eye-opening when you start to think about like how much of an impact we do have, but to, like you said, keep it sustainable, what we have currently or improve it, we have to continue to manage things. And I just, I don't know that, that, that definitely, that definitely, um, gets me fired up. Yeah. That, that's a, that's a hard battle. Um, it's even harder than all the stuff we talked about earlier, because now you're talking, now you're no longer talking to the choir. You're not trying to convince your fellow hunter. You're trying to talk to somebody who doesn't understand. Um, oh, yeah, I would there's say a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, cause we're what, we're only 5% of the population. Right. So, yeah. And anti hunting is only 5% of the population. So it's everybody else in between. And it's important to have those conversations. And this is something that I tried to do. Um, you know, I tried to start this movement. This is actually something cool that you guys might want to get involved in and, and um, might be successful with it. I started telling people, hey, create reels, okay? And put a reel out there that shows nature and has a message that um, is going to speak to the non-hunting public and educate them in a broad way that hunting is pro-wildlife and anti-hunting is, anti or excuse me, yeah, anti-hunting is anti-wildlife, you know, or, or 
or at least painting the the reality of what the hunter is, what the sportsman is, because the other side has been painting us since Bambi and before that, I'm sure. But um, if you think about every movie you've ever seen, I mean, I can't think of maybe a couple where the hunter is not the bad guy or creepy or something, you know, oh, yeah. or toothless hillbilly or, you know, something. We're, we're always uh, painted in the Elmer Fudd um, format. Somewhere or simply or the or bad guy. Yeah, simply the bad guy. Exactly. And um, I did. I, I thought it would be a great grassroots effort and something awesome for guys to do. Um, this is a perfect example is challenge your, your um, listeners and your, and your viewers on Instagram and so on and so forth to start creating their own reels and, um, and put something out there. I, I even went as far as to send out emails. I started, you know, and it, and it got some, it got some traction, but um, because I am so busy um, and I have shiny object syndrome, I went on to the oh, squirrel and I went on to the next thing and I didn't <laughs> pursue it. But this is one of the things I wanted to bring up in that symposium that we're going to have, um, you know, as an idea. And I don't know. I don't know if it'll come through or not, but I can actually play my one of the ones i did guys don't get my god did you hear that (laughs) that was instagram trying to sell me hair hair pills (laughs) um okay hold on a second here you just see but um some of this and put it under your hat (laughs) material Oh Jesus! Anyway, but I, I, uh, my, I felt like because reels um, reach out past your inner circle, people who watch reels or can watch your reels will not be um, necessarily be hunters. You know, it'll 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 span beyond hunting and. The idea is to to reach that person who doesn't understand and give them an idea. Hey, it's just like um, what Colorado was doing. They were doing this like hug a hunter program and they did, they put out some really nice um, commercials in Colorado to support, to get, to garner support from and not anti, but non hunting uh, for hunters. And I thought it was great. Um, so doing stuff like that, and I was going to play you an example here if I can actually find it. I didn't realize I, I post this much, but apparently I do. Um, and I think things like this are a wonderful way of getting of getting the message out to the people who are um, who 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 might not know. Um, I think this is one of the ones I did here. Let's see. For more than 99% of human history, Homo sapiens existed as hunter-gatherers. Can you guys hear that? However, modern society has become increasingly disconnected from our roots in the natural world. The public often sees humans as distinctly separate from nature. 
As a result, most people understand little about hunting and even less about its connection to conserving wildlife and wild places. The anti-hunting community would have you believe that we are aliens to this planet, that we are not part of the system, and that if we left wildlife alone, it would take care of itself. This may have been true when there was a couple million people in the world, but there is eight billion of us, and we touch everything. All we do is consume, and our fingerprint is on everything. That's why more than ever, conservation, not preservation, is important. It is our duty as the intellectual beings of this planet to manage all our resources, wildlife included, to ensure its existence for perpetuity and come at it with the idea of balance. This not only benefits the stakeholders, but the animals themselves. None of us hunters want to see predators or prey wiped off the face of the planet. But what we do want to see is wildlife managed in a holistic approach. I support the North American conservation model. Stop the anti-hunting agenda because for more than 99... So, yeah, so, I mean, that was a really long one and really, uh, you know, put together. <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't have to be that. So. No, that was good. Yeah, I, you know, things like that, I think, are really powerful because it, again, it's it's about the numbers here. If, if you know, 10,000 guys put out a reel like that and got varying views for anywhere from a few hundred to thousands and thousands, um, you could reach, you know, you can reach those people in the middle that's a huge thing. Like the other side's been talking to the middle all the time. They're always constantly bombarding. Oh, look at the cute kitties on, you know, this and that, but all that BS all the time, all the time. And what do we do? We're always just defending ourselves yeah. against, and we're never doing anything yeah. to, well, guess what? More and more stuff is going to ballot box initiative stuff. They've, they figure this out, you know, Hey, we can't compete science and science because social science doesn't trump real science. And, but they sure, you know, got good at, uh, at teaching the middle ground that we're the bad guy. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's on us to kind of yeah. tip those scales. It's definitely a matter of like playing defense versus getting ahead of it and just playing offense. And it's definitely something that we're not doing as a whole when you look at the hunting public. Right. Yeah. Right. Stop fighting with each other and start working together. Mm -hmm. Yep. It, it's easier said than done, I guess. I... Apparently it is. Yeah. There definitely <laughs> is a lot. Of, I mean, there's bringing up anti-hunting there. Uh, we've, we've done that. We've addressed it a few times and there all the pushback we got was from hunters saying yeah. there's not an anti-hunting problem that's just propaganda nonsense they, they're like it's not a it's not a uh, one of our major problems you know our major problem is baiting or our major problem is crossbows or our major major yeah. problem is like crossbows you know, is a trophy problem. hunting or whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, like, i love yeah. that discussion i mean it's listen like I'm, all... I'm an archer <laughs> through and through and i'm not going to call crossbow <laughs> archer equipment but you know, 
that that argument how much time how much time and resources has been wasted on hunters uh, arguing just, about freaking go on social media it's like that I mean, yeah literally well, that's what we're trying to do with the hunting public is yeah. you know bridge those gaps literally just, every yeah. every single post that i mean anything hunting related if there's four comments on it at least 25 percent of those comments are somebody bashing something whether that's in the post or just mm-hmm. something completely unrelated I mean, no, they hell, could just it may be not even be related. and inferring something yep. about you yeah. in post yep. and talking about it in there. It's like I, I know exactly what you're talking about. There was a picture. 100. There was a picture that we posted of multiple bucks. The caption said, "Which one are you taking?" One of the yeah. first comments I read was, "Give them two more years, and now yep. we're talking." Oh it's just God. like that's what that's what I'm saying. Like, what what the I, hell I does just, that accomplish? I dude? just got that same <laughs> comment. I just got that same comment. I didn't even, and and the funny thing was, I didn't even ask anybody's opinion on the deer at all. I said, "Is which which state are you hunting fuzzy antlers in, or something like that?" And the first comment was, "Give all those deer a couple more years, and then we'll you know." And I'm like. <laughs> why <laughs> you know didn't even read the caption probably i know seriously oh i mean yesterday whatever i i had this guy i posted a video on uh i posted two videos one on um layering like how to layer your sika gear and the other one was um about uh packing your backpack for a spike camp Right. And I, apparently I use the word running. I'm running, you know, this backpack or I'm running that whatever. <laughs> I use the word twice. And the guy's like, it's so pathetically annoying that you you're, you're using running. Why do you have to run stuff? Why can't you just use it <laughs> from one Italian to another? I'm unfollowing you. I'm like, what? <laughs> Okay, go, buddy. Whatever, <laughs> but it's like <laughs> because I used to word running. Like, come on, this is. I mean, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna get deep in the weeds here if we go down this road. But it's yeah, that's yeah. true. It's, well, it's, but it just goes. I think it just goes to show, though. Like, if you're having those thoughts, which, I mean, whatever. Like, people have thoughts of. I mean, I know when I was a kid, for example, I used to get bothered by the crossbow thing i don't let it bother me anymore but if you're having those feelings like maybe step back and think before before you start attacking i suppose like maybe that's kind of what we're trying to talk about in this little segment here is if you're having those thoughts take a minute and think okay well go back to the thing your mom taught you when you're a little kid if you don't got something nice to say don't say it at all social media doesn't follow those rules john (laughs) yeah apparently no it definitely doesn't i would would say too like if you're getting if you're online and you're in a bad mood and you're trying to get in a battle of some kind why don't you just pick your battles yeah like think about what's think about take a minute and think about what's most important or maybe is just it, go work out or something issues? completely different right. <laughs> exactly. yeah. like, well, stay off the platform it's, that's it it's like what john's saying is something you know in that reel is something that i would think the vast majority of hunters would get behind mm-hmm. i mean there's no there's 
every hunter that's doing this and buying a license has obviously got a reason they're doing it and they're passionate about it. So that's yeah. the common ground. Just stay focused on the common ground. If you're gonna if you're gonna sling arrows or bullets, quit slinging them at each other. It's right. It's such a counterproductive thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't even get involved in those. Any if there's if there's arguments on there, like if we get comments and there's and there's like actual there are people that are looking for you know advice or answers or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, get involved. We go through all those. Um, and it, we even go through and take negative criticism. It's like, if it's done in the sure. right way, respectfully, then we welcome that. But yeah, well, we the got- stone cast and stuff, we just move on past that. I used to go down the rabbit holes of reading through them. And it's get all so easy to do. Sleep, and it's like, I don't do it anymore now just because yeah. it wastes it. When you look back on it, it's like, man, I just wasted so much time when I could have been doing something proactive, like, I just wasted three hours arguing with somebody online about baiting or crossbow mm-hmm. when I could have been trying to figure out how my local wildlife commission is run so that I can go and actually make a difference. Yeah. You're not or accomplishing like, which commissioner anything. just here's, here's one. Just mm-hmm. ask yourself, who's the commissioner for your district in your state? Do you even know? Who's right. the, exactly. Who, do you even know who that is? <laughs> do you know how they're selected? Um, if the answer is no, then spend that instead of arguing with somebody about a two-year-old versus a three-year-old buck or whatever, go figure that out. Well, Aaron, here's your problem. Here's your problem, Aaron. Here's your problem. It's not a matter of two or three-year-old. It's a three-year-old versus a six or seven-year-old is what these guys are really looking for. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's true. I'm full of shit. (laughs) (laughs) I got to go. I got to go to the... I got to go to the DMV so yeah. I can get my license plates and crap for my truck before they close. <laughs> and it's Friday, so I got to go do it now. So Go do it, man. Yeah. Go, go do it. it it's going to be way – it's going to be terrible. You know, <laughs> a DMV experience is not a good experience, but I got to go. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, See you, right, buddy. See you guys. Thanks. Well, John, do you have anything yeah. else that you want to wrap with? Or I mean, I, don't, I know that you said that you're probably running out of yeah. time here, so – no, I think uh, I think we beat the dead horse. I mean, we could we could sit here and talk about all this stuff, and um, I do, I do want to going back to that that reel that I played for you guys. Yeah. Uh, one thing, and I have a couple of them on my on my Instagram now. But if you don't know what to say, and you want to do something like that, and basically what I was telling people to do is just take. Uh, not gripping grins, not stuff that's going to offend people. Please don't do that. Uh, putting, you know, a uh, phone scope of deer walking or, you know, nature shots of you in the mountains, whatever, that stuff, great. Do it, please. Uh, you can actually go to the reel and take my audio, just like you do for any other, mm-hmm. you know, tiktok thing that you do, mm-hmm. and uh, and use that, that audio. Like, yeah. Let's let's spread that message. Yeah, share it. Yeah, share it through that even. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's. I mean, it, I mean, I would prefer you come up with your own mm-hmm. deal. That way, you're speaking to your own people. But um, that way is that way works too. You mm-hmm. know, it gets the message across, and we get those people that that are not that don't know about hunting that are not in our world mm-hmm. um, to have a, a better understanding. Because you never know. 
they could be faced with this thing and be like, oh yeah, I remember like I had this, this feeling about hunters now that I didn't have before. Yeah. Yeah. And you might have a sympathetic voter, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. of it. So, yeah, I think it's yeah. great. Other well, than that, that's it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us and, you know, yeah, and everything absolutely. that you guys are doing at Hal is awesome and just really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we appreciate you guys. Um, yeah. If you have anything else, let me know. Yeah. And if anybody's listening, check the description and we'll have a link to Hal's website down there. Is there any place else people should go? I mean, yeah, just a half of wildlife.com. Uh, or excuse me, dot org, not dot com. We have dot com too, but uh, I think we have even now we have how dot org. I'm gonna double check and make sure that that's working. But I believe I think it is. We, I think uh, that's what I'm on howforwildlife.org. Yeah, howforwildlife.org is the main page. Um, it's uh, it's super simple. It takes thirty seconds of your life. Yeah, it really is. So so check it out. Well. Thanks, John. Appreciate your time, man.